Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning. Scott Luton and Corinne Bursa here with you on Supply Chain. I welcome to today's live stream. Corinne, how are we doing? Doing great today. It's a beautiful day here in the Atlanta area, so it really puts me in a good mood. It is a beautiful day. It's, we got some beautiful tech talk, digital supply chain, orange working uh, in our branding, which we love. Love what Corinne Bursa is up to on the tech talk. And Corinne, we've got an outstanding conversation teed up here today, as you know, with a couple of titans of technology. Now, Corinne, we're going to say hello to a few folks. We're going to we're going to uh, we've got a couple of programming notes all before we bring in our speakers. But I got a couple of did you knows I want to share with okay. you. You ready? Let's hear it. Yep. All right. So the first one you probably you you may know a lot more about this than I do. So Bruce J. Nelson was born on this day back in 1952. Evidently, he was a famed computer scientist. Best known, get this, as the inventor of the remote procedure call. I guess it's something to do with computer network it, communications. It you is. know this? RPC. Yeah, absolutely. I knew it. You're, yeah. you know, you're always a couple of intellectual rungs above me. So I figured that <laughs> you'd get that one. Assess Bruce J. Nelson. Now, I'm a little familiar with this. On January 19th, 1983, the Apple Lisa is announced. If you remember this, it's the I first do. commercial computer. Uh, first commercial personal computer from Apple to have two main things, the GUI, right? That graphical user interface and something they call the mouse. How about that? Interesting. I didn't remember that the mouse was associated with Lisa. And honestly, I haven't thought about the Lisa release in, <laughs> in decades, right. um, but did you see anything? Why did they name it Lisa? Was there a Ooh, reason? Man, I'm going to have to dive into that. In fact, okay. this could be fodder for this week in business history. So dive okay. into that. One final note, and then and then we're going to get closer to the subject of the day. So on January 19th, 1999, the BlackBerry is introduced. Later, aka known as? The Crackberry. Yes, yeah. right. Because everybody was addicted yeah. to their... I I am one of those. Yeah, I was uh, I was really upset when my phone upgrade moved from BlackBerry to, you know, to a regular device that we use today. But I liked right. that little that little ball in the middle and I could pound away on that actual physical keyboard that came with it. So, yeah, I love I love that. So and really uh, ask and you shall receive our Cracker Jack production team. Big thanks to Amanda, Chantel, Catherine and Clay. They tell me that the Lisa, the Apple Lisa, came from Steve Jobs' daughter's name. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right. So having a little fun this morning, and we see you, Seema, and Tom Valentine and the others. We're going to say hello in just a minute. But hey, Corinne, I've got one more question for you. All right. Have you ever had someone say, I've got some good news and I've got (laughs) some bad news? Which one would you like first? I have. I have indeed. And I I think it's so interesting to hear people's response on this. So let's see what our Supply Chain Now audience has to say first. I mean, Tom Valentine has always got an opinion. So Tom, <laughs> is it is it good news or bad news? Which one do you want to hear first? Let us hear from you folks. What do you want to hear first? Good news or bad news? But 
Corinne, what else what else comes to mind when you think of those two those two options, those binary options? What do I think of? I, yeah. I immediately go to um, what I want to hear first and what am I going to do about it? Um, Scott, which one do you prefer? So, good news or bad news? I'm a sucker for good news. I like to have my good news first so I can process the bad news a little bit easier, right? Okay. All How right. about you? I, I, I almost always like the bad news first um, because the good news to me is kind of dampened a little bit when I know bad news is coming. So mm. I just want to hear it. I rip the Band-Aid off, give it to me straight, and uh, and then I'll start you know, thinking about what can we do about the bad news? How do we solve right. that problem? Well, the votes are coming in. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the production team says uh, bad news first. Joseph says good oh, news. Seema yeah. says good news. Uh, let's see here. David says good news. Tom says always have to address both, but start with the bad and always end on the positive. Tevin with FedEx, our dear friend, uh, avoid the news altogether. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see more of Tevin okay. Taylor in Vegas at the Reverse Logistics Association Conference. Okay. okay. So today's conversation, though, and we're going to we're gonna say hello to a few more folks here yeah. in a second, but today's conversation is going to kind of be that good news, bad news, or uncertainty about supply chain, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting topic. I, I like the way it's posed because we're going to talk about, you know, what do you, you want to hear first, right? Or what's worse? Do I want to hear bad news about my supply chain or do I prefer uncertainty about my supply chain? And with us today are really two, as you called them, two titans in the supply chain technology industry. We've got Monica Trilsch and John Nadvernik with us. They're both within four, and they're going to give us their perspective. In fact, guys, behind the scenes, they told us they don't always agree. So now I'm really going to be listening closely as we go through today's conversation, because they both bring some really valuable points of view to the conversation. So I don't know about you, Scott, but I really value that kind of that direct communication. And so just like the good news, bad news, I'm always going to say, give me the bad news promptly, because I'm a little worried about living in a bubble of uncertainty, right? Oh. If there's one thing the supply <laughs> chain struggles with is uncertainty, right? Because we have to plan around it. Right. Well, I would extend that. The global business struggles with uncertainty. But I got to tell you, some days, long live the bubble of uncertainty, right? Just <laughs> unplug from bad news and focus on the positive. But hey, kidding, all, all kidding aside, uh, really quick, I want to share a couple uh, of uh, events we've got coming up, special events. So Monica Trilch is is uh, the titan of technology. is going to be with us twice in the next couple of weeks today. You're going to hear from her and John, as we talked about. And then February 1st, 12 noon. We're going to talk about how to harness the supply chain data to drive better. And I'll probably argue faster yep. first mile performance. Corinne, it's going to be a great uh, webinar on February 1st, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really uh, looking forward to the conversation about that first mile performance. So we hear a lot about last mile, um, but there are a lot of things that you set in motion with that first mile. So looking forward to the conversation there. Agreed. And you can sign up via the link, easy link in the show notes. You can also go to supplychainnow.com and sign up. And one other note, uh, nominations are officially open, yeah. folks. 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards nominations are open in eight uh, very vast categories. Uh, and through March 1st, it doesn't matter where, where your company is, doesn't matter where your people are, doesn't matter where your products are. 
the entire globe is eligible to be nominated. And better yet, we are partnering with our friends at Hope for Justice, which is a nonprofit yeah. on the move, eradicating modern slavery and human trafficking. And all nomination fees are being donated to our friends at Hope for Justice. Corinne, ready to go on this event, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a win-win-win all the way around, right? I'm looking forward to the opportunity to really recognize some of the folks that are, are, are impacting the industry of supply chain and procurement but also I really appreciate that Supply Chain Now is sponsoring this initiative for Hope for Justice because we can change the world. Agreed. Absolutely. And it's our responsibility to do so. So nice, nicely said, Corinne. Folks, learn more at SupplyChainProcurementAwards.com. Okay. Let's say hello to a few folks really quick. A lot of folks are weighing in on this good news, bad news oh, question. We have opened a can of worms here. I'm going to try to hit these quick so we can get our, of course, Clay Phillips, the Diesel is with us here today. Great to see you. Big show today. Agreed. Joseph uh, joined in from Poland via LinkedIn. Great to see you here today. Michael Aver is National Hump Day. I can't see that phrase without that camel commercial <laughs> from Super Bowl, right? What a, what marketing genius that was. Uh, let's see here. Scrolling down, Gene Pledger uh, from North Alabama is back with us here today. Ikachukwu. Ikachuku, I believe I got that close. And I apologize if I didn't. Let us know how we can make sure we get your names right. Tuned in via LinkedIn from Canada here today. Michael says that BlackBerry keypad, as we all know, that changer. was a game changer, right? Shakun is tuned in via LinkedIn, also from Canada here today. David Glover says, morning from Minnesota. Ready for some insight today. It's coming. It is coming. And it's we're on time, too. Our knob. <laughs> Says bad news first. That's that. A lot of folks are wanting that bad news first. I'm in. I'm thinking I'm in the minority here. Memory, great to see you back. Memory yeah. from South Africa, I believe. Start with the bad news. She says the good news is just to soften the blow. Rip it off is what she says. <laughs> you and I are on the same page, Memory. So yes. Thank you for that support. And one final, uh, Femi says bad news first. The Delta. Get this. The Delta in happiness helps deal with the bad news. Nice. Well, well like said. That. Okay. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Hey, keep those conversations going. Keep the comments coming uh, because we've got an outstanding conversation teed up. And Corinne, you've got the honor of introducing our guests, right? I know. I wish I had a bell or something, but I would <laughs> like to ask the production team to bring in Monica Trilsch and John Nadvernick with us today. <laughs> Good afternoon the swoosh that waits for nobody corinne we we know that right i tell you it is quite the powerful engine but monica trilch great to see you john nadvork uh both with n4 great to see you both here today hi there here. glad to be here all right we we've had a one heck of a time corinne and i and the whole team having uh, the warm-up conversation with y'all in the green room talk sports we talked uh uh, the upper, upper Northeast, we talked the Cleveland area and a lot more. Uh, and now it's time to talk, of all things, Museum Selfie Day. Can you believe it? There's such a thing as Museum Selfie Day. So before we get into the heavy-hitting supply chain expertise that y'all both bring by the truckload, let's talk about this uh, this day that was started by London-based blogger Mar Dixon. That's a new one for me. And evidently on the 19th of January every, every year, it's a big thing to take a selfie at your favorite museum. And one more historical note. I didn't know this. Did you know that Robert Cornelius, who happened to be an American pioneer in photography, it's been said he took the first ever selfie 
1839. How about that? So (laughs) all that aside, I'll tell you, it is history. It's technology and history day here at Supply Chain Now via Tech Talk. But I want to focus on on the museum's part of this observation. And so, Monica, I think you've been anointed our lead off hitter here today. What's your favorite museum that you've ever visited and you can share with us? I thought that was a very thought-provoking question. I, I love the the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago. The, mm. the Met in New York is really exciting. But I got to say, in 2020, I added this Samsung frame TV to my household. And it's designed to be sort of an art installation. And it comes with these the uh, sort of a partner subscription or art subscription. And I can plug into art museums around the world from the TV that is mounted on my wall. I mean, the Berlin Art Museum, the State Museum, Art Museum of Budapest, the Victorian Albert in uh, the UK, the um, Prado in Spain. Uh, I have this tour of virtual museums, modern art, old masters, uh, native and indigenous art uh, uh, out of South American uh, museums. And it's just like a a different smorgasbord of art that I can tap into every day. So I gotta say, I like them all. (laughs) You know, Corinne, if you heard that, and John, I'm coming to you next. If you heard that, Corinne, anytime you hear someone say an art installation, you know know, they're a pro, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. So Monica, I guess you have to take your selfie today in front of your art installation with with something in the background, but it sounds like you can go around the world here you know, in a matter of seconds. So I love that. I, um, that's super cool. I do too. It reminds me of the B-52's tune, Rome, Yeah. Uh, Rome <laughs> around the world, whatever you museum want you want to be at. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if you want to Monica, right. Oh, cute. Love that. Okay. So John, that's a tough one to top. That is a tough one to top. What, what is your favorite museum you can share with us, John? Yeah, I guess. Um, hmm. Good question. Uh, I was trying to think about this for a while here. So I've been to, so one of the, I'll give you more of my interesting trips that had to do with selfies. I'm not a big selfie guy, but I was in Turin, Italy, and they have the second largest Egyptian museum in the world there. I don't know if everyone was aware of that. And and it was, we were finished our meeting with a customer up and we all kind of busted over to the, the meeting to go check out, I mean, over to the museum to go see the museum. And I got to be honest, it was one of the first places I ever posted a selfie of myself to a social media account, which I'd also, you know, kind of had to do. So in in reference to that, I will use Turin's Egyptian Museum as my as my favorite museum in reference to that. I would say the Louvre, but I spent way too much side outside on the line once. And that was not a good experience. (laughs) I love that. All right. So, Corinne, really quick before. Uh, John and Monica, thanks for being good players for this fun warm-up question. Corinne's going to take us into the heavy lifting day. But before you do, Corinne, I want to say quick uh, shout out, Allison, going back to that good news, bad news question. Yeah. Allison, one of our guest hosts here, uh, uh, a dynamo in her own right. I'm going to be contrarian and say good news first. Helps me put things in perspective and set the tone. I love that. Ashish, welcome. Tuned in from LinkedIn from India. Great to see you here today. And Dr. Rhonda Bumpenza Zimmerman, one of our favorite folks. Rhonda, I'm glad you're here. Focuses on wellness. Yes, focuses on wellness wellness in supply chain, and we need plenty of that. So great to see you, uh, Dr. Rhonda. Okay, Corinne, the house is here. Everyone's here. Everyone's tuned in to see John and Monica, these titans of technology. Where are we going to kick off? 
Yeah, well, I want to bring us back around to really our core topic today, which is what's worse, bad news about your supply chain or uncertainty about your supply chain? You know, right now there seems to be no shortage of bad news, right? That's the, the, the old adage, if it bleeds, it leads, right? That's what we're focused <laughs> on almost every day, right? In these last two years, it's been exponentially worse with COVID, with all things COVID impacting all areas of the supply chain from demand through production, through distribution, right through to actual use of goods or consumption of goods. Um, Monica, you and I had a conversation just a few weeks ago, and we really focused on some of the merits of visibility versus transparency. And I want to encourage our audience to kind of tap into that podcast because you really made me think about transparency a little differently. And it really is different than visibility. That said, I got to tell you that gaining visibility is the number one most often cited goal of any supply chain initiative. And, and I don't care what country, what industry, um, that always comes up from the C-suite. We need visibility, right? So I've got to ask, you have worked with just a multitude of global businesses, Monica, and Enforce certainly has invested heavily in the area of multi-enterprise supply chain orchestration and supply chain visibility. What does adding real-time transportation visibility, how, how does that help kind of address the complex delays and disruptions and just the pervasive environment that we're in today? Real-time visibility, I think, has been a game changer in the world of, of freight and, and transportation. For the longest time, we were dependent only on milestones. Um, mm. Thinking back to the early days of trucking, when it was the check call and the truck driver would stop at a truck stop and he'd have a stack of quarters and he'd go to the payphone, remember what those are, <laughs> to call back into the dispatch office to tell them where he was. You know, I'm 45 miles outside of Oklahoma City. I'm going to wow. be there, you know, in the next hour or so. And it was these types of events that gave you the milestone progress of a shipment over the road. Go forward a couple of decades, um, milestones, sort of uh, manual inputs of, of things happening, of events are still very much a dominant way of describing mm -hmm. ocean and air cargo. But on uh, the parallel track, you've got the rise of GPS for commercial vehicles and for for personal vehicles. And suddenly people are saying, I can track this truck on a map. I'm going to know within minutes when it's going to arrive at my warehouse dock door. And the, um, the, the, the rise of the aggregators of this kind of GPS-based mm -hmm. uh, tracking capability uh, in uh, North America and also in Europe, I think has just added a whole new richness to um, shipment tracking capability that we didn't have before. It's filling in a lot of the blank spaces in between the events and the milestones that um, we had before. And it's really technology-enabled. Uh, and it took off because... Um, I, especially here in North America, when the government changed the the mandates for electronic logging devices just right, for truck ELD. drivers. And, yep. Right yep. there, you go. Uh, and so suddenly it becomes commercially viable. And so there's been an explosion in real time visibility. And 
people have, have glommed onto that. Um, but even our, our friends at Gartner, the analysts who look at the industry are saying, yeah, everybody's getting it nowadays, this real-time visibility, but it doesn't answer that, that craving for visibility, the knowledge that these chief supply chain officers are really looking for. It is an aspect of visibility. Yeah. It's, it's necessary, but it's not enough. It's right. not sufficient, right? Well, so, I think, you know, you know, as it relates to senior upper rungs of leadership, Corinne, I think once they get a little, they want more, they want more. And it's, it's like they're, the, the art of the, of the possible is ripped off, talking about ripping off and, and it becomes addictive, right? How, how much information can we get? And that, that's the kind of the, the status of global supply chain right now, right? Absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, one question that, that typically I follow up with when, when a C-suite member is telling me we need visibility. My immediate question is, what are you going to do with that visibility? Mm. Right? So as Monica just said, it's one thing to know a disruption has occurred. It's another thing to then put your countermeasures in place, right? In, in order to do that as proactively as possible. Even if it's your ability to pick up the phone and tell a customer their order is going to be late, right? Versus waiting to report that the order was two days late. So, I mean, there's, there's a whole different kind of tenor around it and sense of urgency that, that I think that we need to, as, as we talk about visibility in different areas of the supply chain, we consider how we use that visibility to change the game. So on that note, I want to hear what John's got to say on this, because John, you're helping guide some pretty significant innovations from a product perspective. What, what's your point of view on you know, the topic of visibility and what do I do with it? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to try to go towards the real-time aspect of it, right? Okay. So I think if we were to go back to how is real-time visibility helping someone today? Yeah, it reduces the call checks. Yes, I could potentially call my customer and tell them I'm going to be late, but if I have 500 orders running late and I'm going to contact mm -hmm. 500 customers, do I have a staff to actually deal with that? So the question goes back to the fact is how do you make that information actionable? What are you going to do to take that levels of signals that are coming out in the world, which you have increased and have been able to do certain things with, and how do you transform doing something? So what we're trying to do, or what I think the market actually is looking for us to do, regardless if we're you know, moving there or other competitors are moving there, is the ability to take that real-time information and do something with it to make it better. So can I be more in front of problems? Can I aggregate that data to show you a trend or where things are possibly going wrong when you go back to your bad news or your good news? Sometimes knowing bad news sooner allows me to react faster than mm -hmm. knowing it later, like you're almost saying about the customer. So I think when we look from a technology perspective, we're looking at how to use that real-time data around the other tools that we all like to talk about, which is machine learning and artificial intelligence, to try to transform the way people are going to react to certain problems. Can I extend my reach to visibility? Is it just around the transport component of it? Or do I extend it around the inventory component of it? Yep. So mm -hmm. do I have other areas or even the supply side of that? So how much is that late shipment going to make me impactful? Yes, that might be a problem for the shipment. Maybe my inventory is good. Maybe my I need more information. So when you think about visibility is how do you put some context mm -hmm. around those problems to help people make better decisions? Should I call the customer? Is it, you know, should I not call them? I mean, generally, most people think you should call them if you're going to be late. There might be reasons why you wouldn't. Right. But, but maybe maybe I, maybe I, it's going to be really late and I get them to the supply and say, hey, not only is it going to be late, 
I'm not going to get that to you on time, but I have other supply from this other place where I can get it to you on time. How can we get that information into the people's hands that need it to make those decisions and make those actions? And I think a lot of that has to do around understanding the trends that's kind of around mm -hmm. your machine learning and how do you automate some of that process more around the AI to make it a little bit better. But it is capturing all that data, rationalizing it down and being able to make it actionable. And I still think on the real time side, we're still far away from that. Right. Right. I mean, when I say far away, we're probably years, like a year, but we're not like decades. We're from where we at. But now we have the data and people are trying to figure out how to get better use of that. Agreed. If we could just get to the point where you're predicting what my kids are going to want to wear to school, say next week, give me, just give me seven days of lead time. That'd be great if we get our technology there. Hey, really quick, Corinne, before we move forward, I want to recognize a couple of comments here. Joseph says, hey, of course, when you have a big, complex global mm -hmm. supply chain, it can be really difficult to have full visibility of the chain. As part of what John was saying there, we're a ways away from really having that, uh, or as much as everyone wants, maybe. Um, Sylvia talks about how boots on the ground. Uh, the ELD has been really challenging for folks mm -hmm. there. Uh, memory talks about visibility is about the security of supplying and being responsive to customers. I love that. Uh, also, Sylvia says learning to discern between a real need and armchair logisticians. That is a great point. Kind of what all of y'all kind of touched on. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, you, we can work to get it to you, but what are you going to do with it? So I love that. All right. So Corinne, very popular conversation playing out in the skyboxes here. Where are we going next with John and Monica? Yeah, so I, I think one thing that's important for us to all realize is, is that the reason there is a digital supply chain industry, right, that, that there is technology uh, that has evolved over decades now um, is because we're dealing with a, a couple of, of major themes, but just tons and tons of variables to be considered in those calculations, right? So uncertainty is a big part. The supply chain hates uncertainty, right? It's, it's hard to calculate uncertainty um, as a part of the measure, but it's also getting out in front of what John mentioned and what Scott mentioned, which is lead time, right? And, and what do I do with the lead time I have? And that lead time is different depending upon where you are in the supply chain. If you're doing planning and forecasting versus the expectation of inbound goods or a shipment to a customer. So Monica, as you, as you think about this and you think about some of the key trends in your work around strategy for supply chain performance, what are the themes that are coming out regarding uncertainty, right? Because we, we've talked about collecting this data. I like that how John said, you know, there's just this multitude of data we can literally be drowning in data, but starving for information. How do we mm. kind of close that gap? Uncertainty, I think, is the overriding characteristic of the supply chain chaos that we're operating in today. And it's uh, frankly at a scale that the industry, I don't think, has had to deal with for a long, long time. 
logisticians, supply chain folks, they're in the business of working through problems. They mm -hmm. they have exceptions all the time. The truck yeah. is late. The there's a fire on board the ocean vessel. The dray carrier broke down, can't make the appointment at the port. My parcel carrier has just limited the volumes of shipments that they're going to pick up for me because they've got too many other uh, com competing contracts for it. So getting through bad news, getting through mm -hmm. problems is what supply chain people do. Do, right. I mean, that's that's the focus. The uncertainty that we have in global supply chains, especially right now, is I think the the whole new wrinkle in the game. It's not just uh, how long is it going to take that ship to cross the ocean. How long is it going to wait at anchor before mm -hmm. the port is going to be uh, uh, uncongested enough for it to actually berth and have my uh, goods unloaded? How um, long is do we have to wait to get empty uh, containers to export our goods because uh, there's a huge container and chassis imbalance across container geddon Monica, yeah. There you go. There you right? go. Uh, and, and the chassis, you don't move containers without chassis as well. So that's the other component. The more parties you have to a, a, a movement of goods, the more components, the more legs in that move, the more uncertainty can creep into the situation. And I think you can track the progress of that truck and your little map. You can track the dots for the ocean vessels moving in that little map. But there's so much uncertainty about the start and the stop of each leg mm -hmm. in these multi-leg global moves um, that has never been there before. Uh, the the, the just-in-time supply chain design is predicated on being able to have repeatable uh, movements and legs in between each of these things. And we don't know. Things are taking longer, but we don't know how much longer. And it is this uncertainty, like the financial markets, they can price in risk for for certain investments but they can't really price in uncertainty and what that means for uh, a, a given business investment and i think that's the big challenge for us is that there's there's so much that we don't know at the start and the stop all of these handoffs in our supply chains right now and it's making people crazy yeah yeah I, absolutely but but i love how you started that with you know supply chain roles and supply chain people are problem solvers by nature Right. So, so we're used to solving uh, very complex problems and being focused on service and quality in that mix. John, you mentioned something in your remarks just a moment ago about how do we translate that visibility into action? Can you give us a couple of examples of what you're doing, what you're working on at Infor that's helping practitioners translate visibility into action? Yeah, so just playing off of some of Monica's comments around and even maybe rooting this back to your first statement around the real-time vi visibility, right? So when you think about the data you're collecting mm -hmm. today versus what you might have collected in the past, you can have a higher reliability because of that real-time data and not the dependency on events. So for example, I need to know I got picked up. Does the carrier send that to me on time? Maybe, maybe not. But if I geofence a location, I can know it actually left the location when it went on there, assuming it got loaded, which is still a problem you have. But let's move past that problem as soon as it gets on the truck, right? So I can tell. So I have that information much. I have that information sooner in my, in my entire supply chain. So having and being able to fuse that 
real-time data with event style data allows me to kind of blend a better picture of what's actually happening all the time. So now the question is, how do I use that data to answer your question that started this point off, which is, okay, so now let's say, for, for example, a blank sailing occurred. I expected it to be on a vessel. It didn't occur. Do I automatically rebook the next structure? Can I make that a little faster for them? Can I be, can I, can I, if I'm running late to a port, can I let them know it's running late, maybe make a recommendation on you had a rail move, maybe a team drive move will allow you to save money. How can we help customers at least give them the options that are available, not automate that all the way today, because I think no one's really ready for that total automation, but be able to, in the context of that exception or the context of that problem, be able to give them options that are available for them to address the problem, given the times and the cost. And that's really what we're working at right now is how do we make them make better decisions or resonate that information as opposed to having to make a whole bunch of phone calls. Give them the context of the problem that's having in there and give them some options for resolutions that they can execute right away. But obviously, we're not going to automate that execution. Not right. at this moment. I don't think anyone's ready for that. It's like, you ready for your car to drive you yet? Not sure. <laughs> but I'm not. I can tell you that. Uh, so I, yeah, I think most customers are not ready for someone to basically just the systems to make all those decisions for them. We're not Skynet yet. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't it funny? We're all pining away for the old challenges and the old uncertainties. You know, the, the good old days when you didn't have to get creative seemingly every hour of the day. I want to share a couple of quick comments from folks here. Uh, Memory says, talks about forecasts or improve our visibility too. Great point there. Yeah. She continues to say that the complexity that is now ingrained in supply chain networks requires visibility, which will help simplify a lot of these challenges. Excellent point. Remember, you're on fire today. Uh, Seema says, key strategies for supply chain in the uncertain business world in global supply chain. Monica, it's very true. I think I, I might have butchered that just a bit. Well, I think the main point she's making is there are some uh, – key strategies that Monica and John both are mentioning to help root out a little bit of uncertainty in global supply chain and that those real time scenarios, which are so critical that we're, that we're after excellent point there, Seema. Uh, Monica, I want to respond really quick to Seema. She's pointing out some good news. You're bringing us here today. Yeah. So the, the real time scenarios and the uncertainty, um, and I think Seema may be alluding to the complexity of all the participants mm -hmm. in the supply chain. So uh, again, in, in a global supply chain, an inbound move from another country, for instance, there are so many handoffs of the, the, the goods uh, and modal changes, cross-border shifts and so forth. To get visibility to all of that, it's not just a transportation challenge. It's right. really an integration with your suppliers. It's integration with your freight forwarders, with your 3PLs perhaps with your customs brokers involved as well too. And it's this holistic approach to visibility, something that we can talk more about the transparency of the global mm -hmm. supply chain uh, that really brings power to the investment in this type of technology uh, connectivity and in the tools that can make sense of all the data that you're bringing in from these connected parties. Agreed. John, please. Yeah. Well, one thing I was just thinking in that whole concept that, that Monica brought up, right? We talk about real-time visibility and capturing those sensors or whatever that might be. Theoretically, I, I plug a, a big old sensor on the back and I can track my package through the sole supply chain. As Monica noted, there are those handoffs and at those handoff points that you have in your supply chain, you're still required to have some aspects of people involved. And so right. you'll always have that problem on integration. Let it be a customs broker point. Let it be 
transloader, let it go through a terminal on the other side. So as good as you can get the real-time movement aspect of it, you still have to focus on the points of handoff, which I still think is a key area in which getting visibility and even some aspect transparency as far as labor and things like that, that would be also very beneficial for folks. That I think we focus a lot on the movement, but I think Monica brings up all those good points there. Agreed. The handoffs is where you can really get in trouble if we don't get these right. Um, I want to share this. Raquel says, Monica, supply chain people are the problem solvers. Yes. Yay. And the overarching theme there that all of that, that we're all speaking to is how we leverage technology to allow our people to bring more value to the table and solve more problems and bigger problems and, and, and uh, find new value. So I love that. Um, this is uh, let's see here. So folks, if you show up as LinkedIn user, it just means you've got a privacy setting on your LinkedIn profile that doesn't allow us to see. That is Lenore. This is Lenore that says lead time depends a lot on where you're located. So you need to understand not only your business, but also your location. It's, uh, it's difficulties to ship in and out. You'll need to forecast accordingly. And of course, we're warehousing networks and, and um, all the planning that goes into where to locate different things. It's a fascinating time to be in supply chain for sure. And finally, both all everyone's talking about reality. I love Sylvia's point here. Sylvia, we're gonna have to have you back on because as she points out there, she's in the port every day checking on exams, chassis, truck power. Love, love to share how it works in the real world, supported, of course, by technology. Sylvia, we'll have you back on. And by the way, folks, Sylvia makes some of the best jams and jellies in the southeast. So we'll have to have Sylvia back on. Okay, so we're gonna uh speaking of the ports, that is a great segue to the next question I want to pose. Uh, starting with you, Monica. So there's good news. You go looking for it, promise you're going to find some good news. We have had some relief in the ports. I was just this morning. Yes, Port of Long Beach and the Port of um, Los Angeles both have Twitter accounts. I'll, who else Ooh. loves that besides me? I love you can just peek in there. Now, you might get a little extra uh, good news rather than some of the reality maybe on social, but hey, I still love the fact that you can, you can check and see what's going on in our ports. So Still, the reality is West Coast and other port congestion continues. Monica, I'd love to get your thoughts on import shipments, right? Those inbound goods coming in from overseas and how this visibility and how this technology we're talking about can drive real tangible benefits. Um, absolutely. And, and I'm going to give a bit of a, a shout out to the webinar that we have coming up, Corinne, on the 1st of February. We talk about first mile. The first mile of the supply chain, these um, uh, complex, generally global international moves, they're, they're multimodal. There are many parties in, involved in these. Uh, it's a far more difficult visibility challenge than an outbound truckload shipment tracking, for instance. And it's where the, um, the, the choice of your technology partners and their ability to connect and onboard and to really to mesh together the many diverse sources of information and data that you're collecting on these inbound supply chains, but then to make sense of it on a common data model so that you know what the impact of an exception upstream means for all of the downstream components in that process as well too. So uh, John alluded to the, the handoffs and the issues there as well. Um, the earlier in the supply chain that you can spot a problem that is developing, the more cost-effective options, the broader the range of options you have to actually mitigate disruption uh, and problems downstream. 
So I think for companies to invest in their first mile visibility, and again, it's not strictly a transportation solution at that point. It's very much a trading partner, logistics service provider, network connectivity challenge for you on the first mile. The more that you can do uh, and invest to identify those problems upstream, the more you can avoid disruption, that cascading uh, flow of problems that ends in disaster because your production line stopped, the parts didn't show up when you needed them to assemble your your Ford trucks, the uh, <laughs> materials didn't show up for you know your production line, uh, your entire Christmas holiday shopping for the the market in in Brazil was you know uh, went up in flames on a, a fire at a vessel at sea. Um, these things are, I think, top of mind for companies to deal with right now. Uh, the focus on last mile has been uh, very important because of the Amazon effect, but you're not going to be able to ship those goods via mm. UPS, via FedEx, via Amazon's logistics service if they're not in your warehouses, if your production lines are down because they haven't come in for that first mile yet. Mm. So two quick points, and then John, I'm going to pose a question to you here. First off, since we're picking on four trucks, uh, did anyone see the commercials? We can power if uh, if your power goes out, you can use your Ford truck yeah, to yeah. keep that football game on. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all check that out. Uh, but secondly, final mile, first mile. You heard Monica and and of course John talk about that throughout. I saw a stat the other day that the final mile autonomous market, right for twenty twenty one, it was about nine hundred million dollars in terms of the market uh, market cap. By twenty thirty, a five billion dollar market. Holy cow! So we're going to hear a lot. If, hey, if Final Mile is new to a handful of y'all, get ready. You're going to hear that a lot next next eight years. Um, okay. So, John, let's talk about a little, little, little twist on the question here. So in your role, Vice President, Product Management, M4, how are you able to take what's happening? You know, we, we've talked about all these different scenarios, these challenges, this uncertainty, all these different layers, and roll all that into solutions that, again, are about driving visibility, transparency, or Heck, just managing, simply managing uncertainty. There's big value there, John. Yeah, there is. And um, I think what we're trying to do is really look at, as we talked about earlier, where can we affect change? I mean, like most providers out there, we've done a pretty good job on the milestones and even capping some of the real-time data. Where we're really trying to focus is around those handoff components. Can we give you better visibility into the areas that you are handing product off? That that is not just that is not just giving you the visibility, but giving the analytics, trying to understand that we talk about it being a problem. I think you mentioned, you know, that supplier trading partner could be the terms in which you purchase goods. Maybe there's a shift you want to do there because you can speed it up. Maybe the way that you transfer it, you know, those types of things. Trying to help folks show them where problems are where they're occurring and give them action to understand the data underneath it and what's causing the problems. It could be lots of different things. It could be sailings. Maybe I'm in the wrong port. Maybe I need to look at something different. Maybe I need to. I think it's being able to give them that data and then help them guide them through some problems and solutions they're trying to get to. So tech-wise, right, we talked about the real-time capturing some, some, some different types of data. There's also, you know, set of APIs, there's better connectivities to all a lot of the forwarders and carriers that existed than what existed a few years ago. When I say a few years ago, I'm talking five, not even 10. All Everybody's elevated their games in those areas. 
in a much faster pace. And I know we blame a lot of it on COVID in the way that they, but a lot of that trend started back when the tariff started to shift, right? right? And all the things started moving out of China that required people to start thinking about their supply chain problems differently. You know, what can I do around, around that type of movement that made it a little more nimble. I think it would have worked out a lot great if COVID never happened. I think we would have flushed that out a lot fat, in a much smoother timeline. But that would have my vote, John, it, just it, saying. It, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> where would the excitement be then scott right that's right, case, that's right right but the, the the point there i think is the you know all that just kind of allowed us to move maybe a little quicker a lot of people were still caught off guard but there were some good things that were done prior to that to make it a little bit better so again to to just not to just kind of answer that real quickly it's it's we have we are working harder to find the areas where we can't get real-time visibility because it's handoffs how do we get better data better integration integrate that up and give that to the users. And again, like Monica said, a lot on last mile because the Amazon effect, not much in that area that's actually causing people problem having their having your shelves empty. Right. I can't get any Arizona iced tea in here right now. <laughs> I mean, this hey, kind of I love that. And, and hey, don't interrupt the Arizona iced tea supply chain folks. Nope. Uh, the White House will be calling you. Um, really quick, John, uh, as an aside, because we're not making light of, the, of COVID at all. No. One of the thoughts that came to my mind as you were describing that, there's a lot of blame. Everyone blames on COVID. Of course, COVID changed everything. However, as probably we can all agree, there were lots of shaky, ill-performing businesses. I can remember one that I was a member of as a uh, like a club that had horrible service, horrible food, bad event management, and of course they went down. They went out of business during COVID. But they were they were all not a strongly performing organization for a long time. And but everyone blames COVID. COVID, in many cases, the innovation that COVID is going to drive is going to allow us to do more yeah. as an industry. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it's a big, dark cloud and a lot of challenge and, and uh, pain and suffering. But, man, it's, it's going to get better and allow us to do more as an industry. Corinne, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I totally agree with the last part of that. That comment is COVID is an unfortunate you know, an unfortunate thing that's impacted the world and impacted many of us personally um, as well. But it has accelerated the adoption of digital supply chain strategies and the need to evaluate multiple scenarios more rapidly. So I think many companies have leapfrogged their personal or their corporate transformations. I think there's still as John said, there's still decades of opportunity ahead of us, but I think that most companies on a global basis have made significant strides forward over these last two years because supply chain has become such a priority and right. top of mind and is what's discussed in those C-suite meetings because of the challenges and disruptions and the questions about what do we do about it. So if I can add one point to that, Scott, I think the interesting aspect of that is, yeah, there's a lot of technology shift, but I think companies are looking at their business and how they how they work with their partners and mm -hmm. the quality of the information and where they hold them as far as that standard is. I think that's all moving forward. They look at their business, as you noted, looking at their business differently to hold other partners that are critical in their supply chain that they might not have thought about as being important. To right. a different level of standard in the, in, the, in the companies that are pushing ahead are doing a really quick job in that area as well as adopting technology. 
Agreed. Agreed. And, and that is a, it's a fascinating time these last few years, whether you're looking at technology, you're looking at the employee experience, you're looking at, at uh, consumer experience. It really is, is mind boggling. Um, just uh, all the gains that we've made in light of these, these deafening challenges and uncertainty. So that's, that's a good story here. Um, Corinne, I know we're running short on time with this, with, I think this intriguing conversation with Monica and John, I can't get to all the comments and skyboxes where, as we start to kind of wind down, what what's next uh, with Monica and John here? Yeah. Well, Monica, I do want to ask you just really quickly to express your point of view on the difference in visibility and transparency, because we've talked about it a couple of times or alluded to it here. They can, uh, we'll ask our audience to go and listen to the full podcast to, to really get a more comprehensive view of it, but give us kind of the quick and dirty on how you see visibility as different from transparency in the supply chain. Yeah. Great question. Um, visibility to me, um, is drilling a hole in the wall, the barrier between you and, and what you want to see and putting your eye to it. So you see something that you could not see before. Transparency is replacing that wall with a pane of glass. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about supply chains and the many participants that um, make it work nowadays, global supply chains in particular, um, gaining visibility to one aspect, I think as Scott, as you mentioned before too, it whets the appetite for all of the things that you can't see. And so if you focus your technology investments just on visibility of one aspect or one process, I think you are missing the business value of investing in uh, broader connectivity with those trading partners, with your carriers, with your 3PLs, your logistics service providers that allow you to explore the bigger picture. It's not just if this is moving, but has it departed? Is it ready to go from the supplier side of things? Has my supplier completed the packaging and shipping and labeling um, what's ready to actually stuff in the container? Um, it, it is the thinking about uh, making your supply chain more connected overall to remove all of the blind spots rather than just focusing on tracking one particular aspect of it, the, the, the product in motion and, and maybe the, the transportation part of things. Because when you talk about the inbound supply chain and, and global supply chains, cross-border, cross-ocean, um, tracking a single mode or a single mm -hmm. carrier, a single truck or a single ocean vessel is no longer sufficient to dispel the complete uncertainty about when your stuff is going to get where you need it to be. Right. Uh, and and I, that's the essential question. It's not where is my stuff? Is is my stuff going to be here when I need it? Right. That, right. That, I'm glad it. you shared that because I was just about to say, where is my stuff, Monica? But that's not the question. That's not the question. Yeah. Okay, I'll share a couple of quick comments. And then, and then uh, John, I've got a question for you as we start to wrap here. Let's see here. Uh, Sylvia says, excellent, Monica. We need more transparency in global supply chain. Yes, and, and I, I can't find her comment, but Sylvia was touting the virtues of the Port of Charleston. So she's a big yeah. advocate of uh, the Port of Charleston, right. which, hey, they're on the move for sure. Ikechuku 
uh, says, thank you, Monica, for the lay down emphasis on visibility and transparency in supply chain. See, everyone, John and Monica both get new new members of your fan club. Uh, memory makes a good comment here. This goes back to what, we're, what I think we're all trying to speak to a moment ago. Memory says COVID flushed out a lot of issues that were already, they were already buried within our systems. It's brought yeah. some solutions to the forefront and more solutions. Memory, that's what I was trying to say. Thank you very much for eloquently putting it better than I could. So great point there. Okay. So what I want to do as we start to wrap, and, and we're going to circle back on the good news, bad news question in a second, and then we're also going to make sure folks know how to connect with our two titans of technology here. But John, and then Monica, John, where do folks get started in all of this? Mm-hmm. Where, where, when it comes to, especially inbound shipments or in general, where can folks get started? Well, I, I think obviously you're going to need some, you know, you need to homegrown and buy some software. It's going to actually be kind of one thing, but where a lot of customers should really think about starting is how do I get better visibility to, again, I'm going to use the term supplier handoff to forwarder, forwarder to on vessel or on plane. If you're thinking about a pure inbound. So that means how do I share going to Monica's transparency? How do I share with my parties involved? what's actually needing to happen at those areas. So if we look at where a lot of people excel or get at that level of visibility, it's their ability to share their order, what's going on when they need it, maybe not all the content, but being able to share that data with the participants that need to get that order from the origin to wherever they're trying to get it to, their destination, maybe if it's a drop ship to a customer, but being able to share that. So you have to be able to open up a little bit it's kind of like, you know, my relationship. You got to open up a little bit in the area of being a little bit vulnerable in these areas to your to your partners so that they can actually help you kind of move along the supply chain. Because if yeah. you're going to try to go it alone, you're going to have the blind spots that people are looking for. And again, if you, you know, you get into that, you know, you can get a little bit of visibility and you get a little bit of value. You can give a lot of visibility and get a lot of value, right? So Similar to the, you know, use the relationship. You can go with that a little bit if you want there, Scott. So <laughs> that, that concept is really what I think people need to do is how do I share the information that allow my business partners to perform better right. on their behalf? And I need to understand what they need so that I can get that information to them. A collaborative platform that allows people to work on that is a great way to start. It may not be attainable for everybody, but it is a great way to start. Amen. I love that. Yeah. I, Amen. I love that. Really quick, Jeremy Bowden hammer on a webinar we did yesterday was talking about authenticity in supply chain. And and we hear an authenticity mentioned in a lot of different ways, but he really hammered supply chain. But John, that's, that's kind of, you mentioned vulnerability, but that often those true real relationships uh, with your suppliers and with your supply chain, that's when man trust, you can move mountains. So I love that comment. I love how you baked it in the relationship uh, point there, uh, John. All right. So Monica, and and Amanda, as I'm hearing in my ear, love that too, John. So yeah. <laughs> Amanda's gonna get some good traction out of that there. Monica, what would you add? That that question of where do, how do you get started? Where do you start? What would you add? Wow, uh, it depends a lot on the immediate pain points uh, that mm-hmm. a, a company is dealing with, of course, right? Um, you might have a really really great supplier management situation. Your direct procurement team, they're all plugged into your suppliers. You kind of know what's going on there. But maybe your forwarder solutions, uh, if you're dealing with with global uh, input, uh, you're having to navigate between the the unique technology portals that each of your forwarders are working with and the different geographies that they handle. Um, Maybe it's time to think about having a 
a, a visibility or an orchestration platform for your global supply chain that lets you feed all of those forwarder information streams into, but that gives you that single pane of glass, that right. consistent view across all of your channels. I would emphasize uh, definitely looking at the first mile of your supply chain. Corinne, I think you and I talked uh, in the podcast last about how much uh, technology investment has mm -hmm. been going into the last mile in the last several years. Uh, and what we've certainly seen from uh, Infor in the recent years is that companies have been underinvested in that first mile. Um, companies that had even purchased our Nexus solutions but were in various phases of implementation in 2020 when um, things just kind of froze up around the world, they decided to accelerate uh, the, the aspects of their technology implementations that focused on visibility to their supply chain partners, to their logistics service partners, uh, to the ocean and air cargo aspects as well, because that's where they felt the pain. Um, and to uh, say that uh, it, it, it's, it's not important where you start, it's important that you start today right, yeah. and that you begin to, to move towards that transparency, because as, as John very rightly pointed out, there is mutual benefit from visibility and transparency in helping to eliminate waste, in, in freeing up capacity mm -hmm. in transportation, uh, in uh, attaining financial goals for both buyers and sellers uh, on, on the transportation side and on the, the goods side for international transport. So there's upside all along the um, the value chain and supply chain if you look to invest in transparency not just in visibility and you bring your partners your trading partners into that story as well yep i love that Scott, i know we're up against time but i gotta ask before we let john and monica go i gotta ask right what's worse monica what's worse bad news Uns about your supply chain or uncertainty about your supply chain Bad news is something we deal with every day. Just get rid of that uncertainty so we okay. know how to deal with it. All right, John? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait the bad news because we're always planning for the uncertainty. It's the oh. bad stuff that hurts us a little bit on these structures. So I think we're all adjusting to uncertainty fairly well in the supply chain. I think when we get hit with a port strike all of a sudden, to me, that's bad news. And it's a little bit of uncertainty, but that really hurts us for, mm. for our sakes. Well said. You know, that good news, bad news uh, conversation, holy cow, we, we could dedicate, it feels like a couple of days of content <laughs> conversations around that. Folks in supply chain really digging what y'all were sharing about that, uh, John and Monica, and of course, your technology and supply chain observations and uh, discussion here today. Um, folks, don't make sure uh, if you enjoyed today's conversation, Check us out on February 1st, where we're welcoming Monica to another conversation via webinar. You got to sign up for that one. The link to sign up is free to sign up is in the comments. And you can also learn more at supplychainnow.com. So as we thank Monica and John for their time, big thanks to Monica Trilsch, Senior Director, Supply Chain Management Strategy with M4 and the world's biggest Cleveland Browns and Cleveland Guardians fan. I think I got that right, right? Monica, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Scott. You, you bet. You. We'll Perfect. see you in just a couple of weeks, right? And John Nedvork, really appreciate Nedvornik, really appreciate your time here today. Vice President, Product Manager with N4, perhaps the largest New York Giants fan. They'll be back 
they'll be back uh, on the face of the earth. <laughs> is is that right, sure. John? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But thank you for that wish. Well, really enjoyed y'all's take. I love the analogies. Uh, Corinne, we've got a ton of T-shirt-isms. Thank you so much to John and Monica. We'll see you again very soon. Thank you. Thank Have you. That was chock full, Corinne. That was one heck of a discussion. Yeah. And, you know, with, with John and Monica, uh, there's so much there. Uh, we're still just scraping the tip of the iceberg, right? Absolutely. And I, I liked John's perspective on that, where, where he talked about, you know, um, from a technology perspective, it sounds like they've got a good decade of innovations already planned or targeted, you know, out on those longer lead time items. But I also like the sense of urgency around just simply getting started, right? Getting started today and think about both visibility and transparency, right. not just from your role in the supply chain or your business's role in the supply chain, but think about it with your customers and think about it with your suppliers, your carriers, your partners as well, because there's benefit to be derived across the board. And, yep. and I think that that's, you know, that's one thing for us to all keep in mind is we can be, you know, a great supplier and a terrible customer, or we can be a great customer and a terrible supplier, um, depending upon what relationships we're looking at. So I, I agree. Lots of opportunity. Agreed. And hey, your visibility and transparency strategy cannot start and stop with the, at your four walls, right? right? These handoffs and exceptions that came up in today's conversation. That's some of the secret sauce. You got to get it right. You got to get that right with you, with your partner. So uh, really enjoyed uh, Monica and John's conversation. I, I'm tickled to have Monica back. We had to go through her agent, I think, to get her back on February 1st. John's agent was playing hardball, evidently, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to having Monica back with us on February 1st. Lots of comments here. Let's wrap on this. Really appreciate this comment here. Alina, thank you so much. Uh, she says, for the interesting conversation, especially about investment in the first mile suppliers, 3PL providers, et cetera. Excellent point. Seema wants to know about that museum in Italy that John was mentioning on the very yeah. front end. So we'll see if maybe we get, they can get connected on LinkedIn. Hey, and by the way, folks, make sure you do follow and connect Monica and John on LinkedIn, and you can learn more about M4, of course, at M4.com. Let's see here. Seema uh, also says, supplier management solutions and navigation with different geography mm -hmm. explained by Monica is recommendable explanation is very real and true. I tell you, Monica is getting all kinds of fan support here. Raquel says, thank you for all the amazing information. Tom says, great SCN segment. Appreciate that. Clay's dropped in the link again. That should be in show notes, but this is the webinar on February 1st. And finally, Sylvia, defender of the port of Charleston, which I love. We got to have Sylvia back. Uh, she says she'd rather be the bearer of bad news so that you can collectively yep. find a solution. I agree with I agree with you, Sylvia. And I think that Sylvia has, has quickly become the ambassador of the board. So <laughs> yes, um, not the defender, but the ambassador. She's yes. got a great point of view. Sorry, I, when I said defender, I meant it near like a defender of planet Earth, like a cartoon or something. I'm, I'm sure there the, is. The images, sure but is. Ambassador Corinne is a better way of putting it. I love that. And Michael, yes, this whole conversation is going to be available uh, on demand via social and via podcast here really, really soon. And Kim, hey, have a great time in Dubai. You missed a great conversation. You're going to have to tee it back up and we got to get your thoughts on it. Okay. Corinne, we've kind of talked about some of our favorite moments as a rock and roll conversation with Monica and John with N4. One quick, where can folks find Tech Talk, Corinne? 
Yeah. Tech Talk, anywhere you get your podcasts, please uh, follow us, join, get notifications. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on topics to cover in some upcoming sessions. So don't be shy. Don't be shy. Uh, folks, hey, we'll keep talking about good news versus bad news. But hey, if you're in supply chain and global supply chain, you're certainly part of the good news. And we appreciate all those efforts, uh, all that hard work, the innovation that keeps global business moving forward. On that note, on behalf of Corinne Bursa and the whole team, big thanks to Chantel, Catherine, Amanda, Clay, the whole gang. Big thanks to our guests, Monica and John with N4. Scott Luton challenging you. Hey, do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.